all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Yolitics. Wheeler is out this week. My buddy Brian Mays is in. He is the owner of Mays Media Group. It's, a, it's an ad agency, but you guys do a lot of political work. And a lot of political. Tell us where we are, first of all. This is probably the most unique place we've ever recorded a Yolitics episode. You are in the great town of Sunnyville, Texas, about 8,000 people, and it's some of the best people in Dallas County, and you are at the best restaurant in Sunnyville, Kearney's. It used to be a feed store. It used to be a feed store. Like it used a, to be a feed store. An actual feed store. Yep, the lo- local man bought it, and uh, named Joe Duncan, and he's built it up. It's uh, it's kind of like the place to go in Sunnyvale. If you want to have a beer or a steak, this is the place to go. So. And th- this is what is it? Uh, North Beltline Road in Town East is where we are. Beltline in Town East. Yeah. And and Sunnyvale, for folks who don't know, because it's a smaller town, eight thousand people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, far eastern Dallas County. We're almost the last city before you hit Forney. Gotcha. So thanks for downloading this episode. We appreciate it. I I know you probably wanted to hear Wheeler because he just drabs on and on and on, but he's not here this week. Um, And and thanks for watching on on YouTube if you are joining us uh, to watch this episode instead of listen to it. We are talking about, though, the reason I I wanted to talk to Brian is that uh, we're we're looking ahead to the special legislative session that's starting Monday, October the 9th. This is all going to be about education. Governor Abbott has threatened this. He wants to pass school vouchers. So let's get right into it because when when you and I talk regularly, and let me just say this up front. For reporters who have sources and contacts, there are few that are better than political consultants, people who work on campaigns, people who are on the kind of the periphery but who know exactly what's going on. And you said that, yeah, I'll come in. I'll tell you exactly what's going on. I'm not afraid to tell you what some of my clients might be afraid to tell you. And setting that up, you also represent some school districts. We don't have to get into the names of the school districts. And you've been in this business for, what, 30-something years, right? Worked for school districts for 30 years. You've got more gray hair than I do, man. I'm a little older. All right. Are you really? Yeah, you are just a little bit. I forget about that. So tell us what you're drinking before we get going here. I am drinking Dallas Blonde. A Texas beer. Texas beer local. I'm going about 6,000 miles away. I'm having a, a big wave from Kona. This is from uh, the Big Island in Hawaii where, you know, no disrespect, kind of wish I was right now. Who, who doesn't wish they were in Hawaii? But let's get into it, man. Here, here's the biggest question I have. How likely is it you think Abbott's going to have the votes to pass school vouchers and give parents public tax money to send their kids to private schools? You know, if you'd asked me in the legislative session, I'd have said 50-50, and now I think it's 30%, because what's happened is you've got parents and teachers now. He, he, is, he has woken up parents and teachers, especially moms, um, and, you know, if you upset, you know, females in Texas and you get them riled up, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're going to take control, and they're calling their state reps, they're calling their senators. It's the House is where it'll get beat. I, I don't see them doing, I mean, vouchers on many levels are extremely bad. And it's not just for students and teachers, but they're really bad for taxpayers. You're, you're asking, I mean, what are they talking about? $7,500, $8,000? That was the last thing, yeah. yeah. Hey, we'll give you 7,500 bucks. You can send your kid wherever you want to go. But where are you going to get into a school, a private school for $7,500? I mean, Bishop, parochial school, maybe? Bishop Lynch is 23000 23, So 
the the single mom that's trying to raise a kid and maybe her school is underperforming a little bit for whatever reasons probably being underfunded for one of those reasons you know she's going to go to the school first of all they don't have to accept her kid private schools can discriminate for whatever reason they don't like your kid's hair they're not going to bring you in you know they don't like your kid's color they may not bring you in they may not accept you but i guarantee you they won't take you if you can't come up with the other fifteen thousand dollars and that's so basically the vouchers are nothing more than subsidizing very wealthy people who send their kids to prestigious schools this has been defeated session after session year after year but governor abbott has made it a priority he traveled the state over the last year he's he's talking about it he's been to dallas he's been all over the state trying to get this passed most recently he said he would he issued a threat and said that he would run people against. i don't think he said he would run people against but he issued a threat that he would actively campaign against people who from his party who who defeat this like mm -hmm. they have in the past we interviewed um dallas isd superintendent uh stephanie elizalde mm -hmm. about this i want you to listen to something she said here but when you hear the governor threatening people then shouldn't we all ask ourselves well if it's such a great idea why are threats even necessary what does that say about what our communities are actually supporting uh, i thought all of this was about the i in isds independent school districts because those are supposed to be reflective of community values and it's clear that there's a great deal of support for public schools so let's keep funding public schools so Dr. Elizalde from Dallas ISD says, why are threats even necessary? Uh, if this is such a good idea, she says, you just heard her there, if it's such a good idea, why shouldn't we just pass it as is? You know, why, why are threats necessary? Yeah, look, I, I mean, Abbott has to know this more, you know, you know, he's a good old Texas boy. You start threatening, especially these rural Republican state representatives, they're not gonna back down and it's not good for their, I mean, look, let's be honest. He, the, the Republican state and Democrat state reps, but Republican state reps represent their community, whether it's, you know, Frederick, you know, Frederick Frazier up like in the McKinney and the Allen area, um, you know, Keith Bell and Forney in Kaufman County. But Abbott, for the most part, represents his contributors. And, and I'll be as bold as to say on this issue, he's nothing more than a, bo a bootlicker for these wealthy donors that have told him we want vouchers. And remember, his donors are people that uh, run private schools, right? So that's part of the issue is I, you start threatening some of these Republican state reps. I think they're just going to the answer is no. Um, it'll cost them votes in a regular election. What, what, it costs two votes. So if a state rep, let's say in West Texas votes for this, their district's going to lose millions of dollars. Um, and, and, and by the way, there's no private schools out there for them to even send their kids to. There's not enough. So. Uh, I, I just can't imagine a bunch of West Texas or even Far East Texas Republicans backing down to Abbott. I mean, look, I, I think we, it's, we've come to the time, it's now, we have to admit that are Patrick and Abbott really conservatives? Or are they libertarians? Uh, or are they conservatives only when, it, you know, only when it gets them political points? The reality is, with a voucher, they're asking uh, voters to, or taxpayers to give up their money uh, without any oversight. There's no elected board on, a, on a, a private school. There's no oversight. You can't do an open records request to find out what is your curriculum. There's no oversight. There's no elected people. And, you know, the reality is, and this is an issue that when Republicans hear that, they kind of like, oh, whoa, this is not as good as we thought. If, if I'm going to, let's say I'm a, a pastor at a Wiccan church, I guess Wiccan and church, kind of weird to put that together, but What's to stop them to saying, oh, we can get tax dollars by having a private school and we can push our agenda of being a Wiccan or pagan? They can't turn it down. 
the state has to give them that money. You've worked with a lot, maybe, I don't think all, but a lot of conservative uh, campaigns over the years. 30 years, yeah. 30 years, mainly conservative campaigns, is that right? Mm, only worked for Republicans. Only. So. Well, I mean, that, that's bold of you to say then, <laughs> that you, you think that, that Patrick and Abbott might be libertarians more than, more than Republicans because they're not fiscally conservative on this issue oh. when it comes to oversight? I mean, what's next? Are they going to privatize sidewalks? I mean, what, 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 what's sort of the next step here? I mean, remember the reaction, and you and I have talked about this, remember the reaction when they tried to privatize toll roads? People lost their mind. Ten years ago, yeah. And then now they're talking about doing the same thing with schools. Their ultimate goal, and Tim Dunn and that crowd, if they've admitted, is they don't want any, they want no public schools in the state of Texas, and they want them all religious-based. And look, I'm a religious person, I get it, but that there's a separation. Uh, but I mean, you have to, you know, even looking back at, at sort of who's pushing this, you know, a former state rep is, is sort of leading this charge. And, you know, that's a guy who didn't run a few years ago because he knew he was going to get beat. Who that's is that, this leading this charge? That's uh, Jonathan Sticklin. And he represents the mid-cities in he, North Texas. He, he did. He did and, represent yeah, the mid-cities. Yeah, now he's in, really, in and, I, and I've met him. He's, he's a, a likable guy and he's a good guy, but, you know, that... You know, he, that's this has kind of been his thing. Of course, he gets paid to say this stuff now. You know, let's be honest, he's getting paid. And, and you know, Abbott and Patrick say, listen, this is not the state's money this, this or the school district's money. This is the parents' money. They pay that, that money in to, uh, to ISDs and property taxes every year. They should get to decide. What are school districts telling you about that argument? Uh, not a lot other than, so you're basically, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing like why are they wanting to kind of take this approach it, yeah it is you know public schools in texas have worked well for what you know 100 200 years um there's good times and there's bad times right there's some schools that struggle but the answer is not to pull money out of the schools um just so that some wealthy donors can make even more money off private schools um is that what this is about do you think I, I just honestly i think it's that i think it's you know Abbott trying to do, yeah, basically for people, and especially Patrick, people who have funded his campaigns, people who are basically telling him what to do. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, both the Democrat Party and Republican Party, when they go into a primary, they're catering to the very far fringe of their electorate, right? Only the most conservative, the most liberal tend to vote. Right. And w we've gone off the rails as a party. Um, when you're using school children and teachers in, an, in attack ads and constantly complaining about how woke school districts, I, I can tell you right now, of the 50 school districts I worked with, I've never once been part of a woke school district where they push this. And I know they push the, the, the books, you know, oh, you know it's, it's the books are bad, there's stuff in the, one school district, I'm not gonna name it, they have 200,000 books in their library system. You're going to find one book that's gonna offend somebody. But the schools are not in the job of going through and looking at every single book. But now you see they're taking To Kill a Mockingbird off the shelves. Uh, they're not letting the Bible be in any. Some teachers are just shutting their libraries down. So it's just this, it's an ongoing attack, whether it's the, what they consider to be a woke agenda, which I don't know any school district that does that, whether it's library books, whether it's taxes and all this, it's the same. But, but that, the attack on public education isn't new to Texas. I mean, it, it's happening nationally. I, I, I just don't get why why this is a thing except that it's just red hot in the culture wars right now uh yeah i mean i'm sure they've done some polling that you know they'll, they'll ask a loaded question if you knew that schools had books that taught about you know a radical gay agenda would that make you more or less likely to support your school district well most people are going to you know not most but a lot of people are going to go oh wow that's i'm not sure i want that taught in my school well the schools aren't teaching that it's just something they say 
there was a survey done last year, and they did thousands of teachers across Texas, and 77% said that they're starting to think that maybe it's time to switch professions. And there's already teacher shortage as is. And more talking about leaving? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we have limits on how much you can have in a class. So you have fewer teachers, you're going to have bigger class sizes, which means less personal one-on-one attention, especially for these kids that really need that special special help. And, you know, if there's any doubt that they're not true conservatives, they keep pushing these mandates on schools. You know, they talk about local control. We don't want Washington telling Texas what to do. But Texas is going to tell local school districts exactly what to do. So it's kind of the hypocrisy of the far right. And the, you know, when, for example, these unfunded mandates. So they they complain that schools spend too much and their taxes are too high. Yes. So they say schools spend too much, their taxes are too high. But by the way, here's some mandates we want you to do, which are going to cost more money, but we're not going to pay for them. So it's like, well, which is it? Do you want us to cut spending or do you want us to increase spending on your mandates? Going into the special session, are districts nervous? Where, where are superintendents right now? Uh, vocal. They're not backing down. They are, I think what, you know, let's be honest, you know, superintendents, their job is to educate kids. They try to stay out of politics as much as they can. But I think you're starting to see school board members and superintendents now saying, no, that's a bad idea, and here's why. Um, and again, especially like on the issue of vouchers or... Um, why, have, why haven't they said that before, though? Because this is, again, it's not new. This thing has been brought up session after session. Oh, you know, they kind of left it to, like, some of the, you know, the leadership, you know, some former, you know, trustee or uh, school leaders. Yeah, I'm like, you know, there's some lobbying groups down there that, you know, lobbyists is not exactly a bad word at times. And and they do good work. They go down there. They help educators understand just how complicated schools are because it is very complicated um there's a lot of things they have to worry about you know at-risk kids english is a second language crime in the you know in the neighborhoods around the schools you know kids not having enough to eat i mean there's so many things that these these schools have so the lobbyists down there have been really pushing this hard and and as once they sort of explain here's the financial side of this you know most normal right-thinking business-minded republicans see the value i mean the most important thing you can do for the long-term success of any community is to have schools of excellence. And you look at any community where maybe the schools are unfunded or they're not doing well or the parents aren't involved, because that's another huge issue, their, their economy's not, not strong. So, Well, you know, Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick would say, listen, we've, you know, Dallas ISD and these other districts have been around for years and years and years. Why are they still having, you know, schools that are failing? Um, they have been around for years, and this, the state for years and years and years has said, we want you to do better, but oh, by the way, we're going to give you less money to do better. You have to remember, in 11, 11 or 13, 2011, 13, they cut school funding. They haven't raised, and then school funding for each school district is based on, like, it's per student. It's kind of how they decide to fund it, right. simplifying it. But they, despite inflation, despite the higher costs that are, you know, costs are much higher for school districts, they're giving them no more money. But they're saying we still, and here's the other thing too. So they put it, they had a grading system for the schools. A lot of schools were doing really well. They're coming in with B's and A's and schools that were C's are moving up to B. Well, now these schools have these great stories. So the legislature or Marath is, he's moving the goal line. He's He's a DEA commissioner. Yeah, he's like, well, we're gonna change the way we grade schools now. So in a school, instead of being a B, you're gonna see the school maybe being a C. But that C is based on the old grading guidelines. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're raising the threshold on what you have to do to become an A or A-plus campus, but they're using it with last year's numbers. In the middle of the test, basically. In the middle of the test. But, and, and that's the big one of the questions we have for Dr. Elizalde 
uh, recently too is you know why now why are they doing this now why don't they give them a year to at least try to meet those new thresholds i i um, think i think they want them to fail or to appear to appear to fail because you know it's interesting that they did it this year so now they can say look at all these schools that are you know they dropped a letter grade this is why we need vouchers that's what a lot of people think it is, it is political hundred for, for the grading hundred percent and so there's something else that you know i don't know that the general public knows this so and i'll use sunnyville as an example if our you know let's say that the school district collects 10 million dollars a year in property taxes but the property values go up so the school district collects another 11 million instead so it's a million dollar increase they don't get to keep that money the state reduces their portion of funding sunnyville schools by a million dollars so when these property values go up the money doesn't stay in your school district they go to the state what does the state use that money for uh passing unfunded mandates (laughs) i mean uh, it could be anything it could be for roads it could be for you know public safety who knows but the issue is they're in, in one breath, they're saying, you guys, ha- uh, you're funded enough. In another breath, they're saying, but we're going to continue to take funding from you. And again, it's that whole local control issue. Yeah. You know, you and I are old enough to remember when Republicans were all about local control, that mm-hmm. the government works best yeah. when it's at the local level. And the state legislatures really strayed from that. The Republicans in the legislature have. Stopping the school vouchers has always been a couple dozen re- rural Republicans uh, from East Texas, from West Texas, from the Panhandle, and places like that. What are the chances these guys are going to continue to vote the way they're going to, the way they voted in the past? Uh, I think after the attacks from Patrick on the House in the last few months, um, I, honestly, if he thought that was getting him votes for vouchers, he's crazy. So I think they're just, I think both sides are going to dig their heels in, and Abbott can you know, scream and cry till he's blue in the face and pout and hold his breath and whatever, but I don't see them, I just don't see vouchers passing. I just think there's, and it's not just rural Republicans now, you're starting to get sort of this third rim of the suburbs, you know, you start getting up, and, and it's the fast growth district, so you get out towards, you know, uh, Alito and Denton and, sure. you know, McKinney, those are school districts that are fast growing, I mean, Prosper's taking three million, you know, 3,000 new kids a year, yeah. and they're not about to want to get, do, you know, do a voucher thing where they're you know, they can't, they can't educate their kids. So I said earlier that you represent a handful of school districts across the state. Are any of your districts right now working to shore up support with these Republicans who oppose vouchers? Uh, they talk to their state reps a lot. Um, more, it, more than normal? No, I mean, you know, they've sort of been forced, sort of pulled into it the last few years of having to get involved. So, yeah, and they all have good relationships. I mean, you're, you don't, you know, I'm sure there's a few, but there's no extremists to the superintendents. They're all... They're all good people, but at the end of the day, they want to educate kids. They don't want to get involved in politics unless they have to. So, but no, I think they're, they're definitely more involved. They're definitely calling their their state reps. They're letting them know. Um, but you know, Republicans, and you know, it's all about winning the primary, right? That's they have to just that little ten percent of the of the voters that are going to get that and vote. But if they start riling up Republican women, and they start voting in these primaries in big numbers, you're going to see some turnover. And it's not going to be what Abbott likes. You're going to get to see, uh, they're either going to keep those good pro-public ed Republicans, or you're going to see some of the anti-public ed Republicans getting defeated. And so, Republican women are, are being energized, you think, with this issue? When it involves kids, there's a whole new emotional level. And they know that it, they're hurting my kids' ability to get job and career training. 
to get prepared for you know for you know career certifications to be able to pass you know succeed you know succeed when they become adults, yeah. and they see this. I mean, women run. Women control the pocketbook, you know, the checkbook more than men do in a home, and so they kind of see this this impact of when, you know, the economy's down, are the kids going to be, you know, are they going to be educated enough to get a job? Um, but it's, it, I, I, do, I don't know how we got to this point. Where, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you look back 12 years ago, Republicans were talking about we need to fund our schools, we need to take care of them, you know, for the last, I mean, even, you know, the 10 years prior to that, it was always a good issue, you know, they would work with school, the, you know, the school administrators, and let's be honest, with the exception of some of the maybe Fort Worth and Dallas, most state, most school trustees are Republicans uh, in North Texas, um, and they're getting frustrated to the point now of saying, we're Republicans, but we don't understand what our own party's doing. But no, 20 years ago, Republicans were great advocates for public schools. But it's changing. Look, you know, I'm sort of bashing Republicans. You know, on the far left, we have the same issues. You know, they want to, they do want to try to do some indoctrination in the schools. Yeah, but the far left has no control in this state. Right. I mean, they, they have no, Democrats don't have control in nope. the state. If Republicans wanted to pass vouchers, they could pass vouchers. Yeah. We used to be the adults in the room. In my opinion, you know, Republicans we, re- did. we Republicans. Yeah, we Republicans. We uh-huh. used to be the adults in the room. We would come in. We would say, let's be smart. We got to have good government and we, but you know, and, and do, you know, have a good use of our tax dollars. Uh, and now it's just been, it's such a knee jerk. I mean, it's just no, no, no. And everything that has to do with public schools and they're making them the, the, um, you know, I, the, the, you know, the enemy here and they're not. And teachers are just, you know, they're so frustrated with this. But you know, if you, so if you think about it, if, if the if the public was so upset with schools, like Republicans, the far right try to claim, and Abbott and Patrick and their attacks, why do eighty percent of all school bonds pass? Because parents get out and vote, and even Republicans will tell you the most conservative, as long as I see a value for the money we're spending, I'm okay with it. So you know they, so they're talking about changing the rules. There's now a, 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 a school district can do a bond, right? And if it's fast growth, and, and just a quick, quick reminder, a bond is for building new uh, yeah. schools, you know, yeah. expanding so, things, etc. Yeah. So if a school district is like Garland last year, theirs was just to take care of aging buildings. Very common. You right. It's like taking care of your house. But on a lot of these fast growth, you know, uh, there's some school districts adding three, four thousand, you know, two to three thousand kids a year. They have to start building new schools. They don't have it. They have to build them. And so when when Republicans in these suburbs go vote, they're voting for these bonds. So they change, even when there's no tax increase, the ballot language now reads, this is a property tax increase, when it's not. That was a change the legislature made, what, last year? Yeah, or uh, two, two years ago. Yeah, two, two sessions ago. Yeah. And on top of that, if, um, what was it? Oh, so when they saw that parents and, and Republicans are still saying, yeah, but we still want to support our schools, now they're saying, okay, well, we're going to change the rules again. There was talk this last time of making all bonds have to pass with a two-thirds supermajority. And it's like one bond would have passed last year by that amount, which actually happened to be the largest bond in the state. It was Forney's. Wow. But but most bonds pass w- with considerable margins. Uh, it de- Some. I mean, the, the, the numbers have decreased a little have bit. Really? Yeah, because, you know, again, there's the attacks, and there's this cottage industry of people that go to school districts. They don't even live there, and they fight them, and they put out misinformation. Um, but... Yeah, they don't. I mean, look, we, we've we've been involved in some that have passed by forty points, and we've been involved in some that have passed by two points. You know, it just it just depends. But it's the the that no the first year after they did that ballot language requirement, there was a drop. But then school districts started explaining, 
that's just a boilerplate thing we, that has to be in the thing, but it, there's no tax increase, yeah. property tax rate increase. And then you see the numbers go back up. So it's funny, they want the school mm. districts to not spend as much money, but by doing that, they're forcing school districts to spend more money to explain to their voters what that ballot language means. You said a minute ago that Republicans for, for years were huge uh, proponents of public education. Where did things change? I honestly think it was when the Empower Texas, which is now, you know, they kind of had their slew of scandals and they rebranded as Texas Scorecard. But I think once they started threatening state reps that, you know, you have to do 10, we want, we have 10 things in our agenda and you have to agree to all 10 or we're going to come after you. Uh, and schools was one of those. And so I think you see a lot of them, a lot of these, and I can say it's a minority of the party, but that's when you started seeing them attacking school districts to score. Look, if you have, to, I mentioned earlier, if you're attacking students and teachers with no, no real reason other than just to score political points on false issues, you're kind of an ass. <laughs> Do we have to bleep that out or can we leave that in? We'll leave it in. in. So uh, let me ask you this. A lot of people are going to be seeing the headlines over the next uh, four weeks, special sessions last 30 days, special legislative sessions last 30 days. Um, the question I've been asking is, you know, are there enough votes to pass it? What happens if this actually did pass and vouchers were approved by the end of October and, and went into effect where I could get, you know, public tax money to send my kids to private schools? So I'll, I'll give you what I would tell my clients when I media train them is you never answer the hypothetical and say, I think answer it's going to fail. But for this, I will. For you, Jason, I will answer this <laughs> We're hypothetical. We're having a beer. You just dropped the, uh, yeah. uh, the A word uh, on the podcast here. Uh, uh, okay, let's say it passes. You're going to see uh, bigger class sizes. Um, you're gonna why? Less money in the schools. You're going to see fewer, fewer teachers. Um, kids will suffer because your most experienced teachers, you know, teachers with 20 and 30 years of experience are just going to hang it up. They're going to say, I'm done. I'm tired of being used for political purposes. Um, and that's not hypothetical. That's kind of happening right now. You know, it'll just, if you think it's bad now, Katie, I mean, it's going to be worse. It's Katie bar the door. Cause you're going to see, you're going to see teachers leave in huge numbers. Then the, the um, so you'll, you'll have that, but then you're going to see a whole slew of, of private schools being formed that Republicans are going to be like, oh, wait a minute, it's a Scientology private school and we're paying for this, or it's a Wiccan church and we're paying, or whatever they call them, and we're paying for this. And oh, wait a minute, there's a new school called the Progressives of Texas Private School and now I'm paying for this. So then on top of that, what you may find is the courts are going to say, wait a minute, you're using, you're giving a Catholic school private, uh, public tax dollars. So we can't have them teaching certain things because it's using tax dollars to teach it. Right, so there's going to be a series of court cases, and so Catholic, a lot of churches, church-run private schools may say, we don't want it because we don't know what strings come attached. But this has already happened in other states like Arizona is one that people always throw out all the time. Have these scenarios come to fruition in those states? You know, I don't know enough about Arizona. I know Florida's had some issues, but the, I mean, like, for some families that, there, you may see some private schools that are, you know, that are built or informed, and it is $7,500. I mean, is you, are they getting a good education for that? I mean, if you think about it, they're so, the, the charter school issue, charter schools get paid, we talked about this earlier, the per kid funding at a charter school is more than the per kid funding of a regular public school. 
in charter schools, you don't have to be a certified teacher. You don't have any have to have any education background to be a teacher at a charter school. I didn't realize that. Um, my daughter, uh, a small school district here, when we would go play some of these charter schools, and when she was in middle school in volleyball, you know, their coaches would have to come ask our coach the rules. Wow. Because they didn't, they just didn't get it. But it was, it's, yeah, it's going to be bad. I mean, what, what should public schools be doing right now? If I had to give one advice to public schools, it would be blow your own horn as loud as you can you tell everybody all the great things you're doing because if you don't tell your story somebody else is and it's not going to be the story you like so school districts and it's just the nature of how they communicate they send take you know you've got young kids they send stuff home in their take-home kit their take-home folder they send an email out to the parents or a text but once like as, as a parent my daughter's in college now once she got out of school, I don't get the communications from the school district as much. Now I know what's going on because I'm involved in my community. But so now you're finding a lot of these parents that are these, not parents, but, uh, you know, the people that are voters that are like in their late 50s and early 60s and older, they don't know what the schools are doing. They don't see like what's happening in Forney with the Opportunity Central, which is this, this you know, this huge complex that's changing the way kids are educated. They're not seeing all the successes of our schools. It's just the negative stuff. It's what the basic rule of campaigning. If you don't define yourself, someone's going to define you. I, if I'm a school district, I'm you. You might as well have. You almost have to have an ad agency now inside the school district, basically letting people know your tax rate's lower than it was five years ago. Uh, we've won awards for you know financial you know for for transparency among you know the way we manage your tax dollars. Look at all these road scholars we have. I mean, every school has a great story. It's just that the far right to score political points focuses on one or two kind of minor, minor things. Well, you, you say minor things. There'll be people listening to this who say, oh, what are you talking about, Brian? There, there are a number of schools that I'll say Dallas ISD. I'm going to pick on Dallas because sure. it's a big district. Number of schools in Dallas that, that just can't get above a D or an F. There are schools that need work. I mean, across the state, there's 12,000, no, excuse me, there's 1,200 school districts in the state of Texas. Yeah. There's always going to be some that don't do as well as others. Uh, but leave it up to local control maybe to try to fix it. But the more they take away local control, the less voice parents have. And it's, it's almost like expecting your car to run better, but refusing to spend any money on your car. You know, it's uh, to basically say, we want this school district to do better, but we're going to give you less money. In fact, we're going to take money from your poor kids and we're going to give them to rich parents to send their kids to a prestigious school. Doesn't make any sense. Is there any compromise you think Republicans could live with to get this passed? I, any carrot that the governor could dangle out there to? Uh, because there was a proposal yeah. at the end of the of the regular legislative session, I believe it was, where um, you know, hey, we'll, we'll provide seventy five hundred dollars, and it's only for it's only a cracking the door. It's only for kids who uh, you know are in special education, kids who might you know need that. Does that have a chance of passing? Well, but you think about it, if they if it's just for kids that have maybe special needs that need more more of a hand holding at a school, at a private school, uh, private schools aren't required to have certified people for that kind of role. A lot of them don't have that. Yeah, yeah. they don't. And, and I can tell you a lot of private schools are going to be like, we, we, we're not going to take them. Um, I, it, the only carrot I think that the governor could dangle out and instead of the stick, you know, method he's been using is to basically say we're, we'll do vouchers but we're also going to increase your school funding to what it really should be every year so yeah the, the you know that 7500 will go to a family and it'll you know may they may or may not be able to afford the rest at a private school 
the only way I think even superintendents would say, okay, yeah, we're interested is if they were to say it is a permanent increase that will go up every year by this much. Because is there money for that? I mean, they seem to think there's money for vouchers. <laughs> so there's a surplus down there. They seem to have money for all these special sessions. Um, there is a, uh, a Democrat. Well, before I get into the Democrat, let me ask you this. You, we've, you've been critical. We've been talking about Governor Abbott and, and Lieutenant Governor Patrick. You're called on a lot, and, and people pay you a lot of money to, to give it political advice. What would you tell Patrick and Abbott right now that they could be doing? Yeah. Stop digging. What do you mean? They're digging a hole. And now they're, it's, they're, they're so entrenched in this idea, even though I think they know it's a bad idea, that I don't think they're going to change their mind. They're, stop digging. Start working with – because they're digging a hole that eventually not only will – I don't mean next election cycle, because I still think we're enough a Republican state. But you start turning off – again, I mentioned Republican women are the key. And you start turning them off and you start hurting the way their kids are being educated, they will switch. They will switch. They will not vote. They're, men are more likely to vote straight party. Women are less likely. It's just sort of been the way politics has always been. Uh, so, so stop digging. Uh, I mean, sh- should they, you know, Governor Abbott's been out there holding, uh, uh, you know, these news conferences over the past year at private schools saying, well, this is a great private school. You know, we'll provide tax money so your kid can come here. What, what, should, what else should they be doing? Um, if, if they're truly serious about doing what's right for every kid in every school, every teacher in every school, start working with the superintendents. Start talking to the trustees. Even the most staunch conservative trustee that I work with, who's a, I mean, you know, again, I would say 90% of them are Republicans, are just, they're shaking their heads. I, I just, I don't know what our governor's doing. I don't know what Patrick's doing. They don't listen to us. So stop listening to these deep pocket billionaire contributors out of West Texas and start listening more to the local folks that actually run the schools. So most of the superintendents you work with are, are conservative superintendents? You know, that's the thing. I, we never really talk politics. Uh, they're not, which is great. You can't tell, I can't tell if they're left or right. Their focus is on the schools and the kids and the teachers and safety. Now, when you start talking about the trustees, yeah, they, they, they almost all tend to be fairly, I would say anywhere from 70 to 90 percent of them that we work with are Republican. We do a lot of suburban work. So, sure. Uh, yeah. So, so this legislative session that starts on Monday, October the 9th here, it's going to be four weeks, 30 days. Um, what specifically will you be watching for as this really starts to unfold here? Because there are a number of things in here, but we talked to school vouchers yeah. a lot here on, on the podcast on this episode. There's also potential for teacher pay raises, and, and you know districts are talking about that for a long time. Increasing the basic allotment, which is how much school districts get per kid. What specifically will you be watching for, and what are your districts watching for? Uh, yeah, they want to see the funding per student to go up. They would love to see teacher pay raises go up, um, or you know more more of an ability to give teachers a better pay. They would like to see no more unfunded mandates. I mean, if they had to come in with a wish list, it would be let us do our job, fund us appropriately, don't attack our schools, and don't, don't, don't claim we're not doing well after you've cut our funding because you can kind of see, you know, there's almost a correlation there if they think that. Um, but I, it's, I think vouchers are a non-starter for, I think, an, obviously every Democrat and a lot of the more normal business-minded Republicans who get the need for an educated workforce. Um, yeah, Abbott, I would love for Abbott to sit down with, you know, a series of roundtables with superintendents and say, tell me what you really need. And if, and if he doesn't trust the superintendents, do it with the trustees, because they'll tell them. They're the ones that listen to parents. 
you know. Yeah, the elected board members. Yeah, local. Um, you mentioned Democrats and how every everyone would vote against it. There's one Democrat in San Antonio, State Rep. Barbara Gervin Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been in office since 2017. She made news the other day that at the uh, Trib Fest, the Texas Tribune's uh, yep. political festival they have every year, and she said that, you know, if things really start to go that way, if that actually happens, then we as Democrats, she said, should be ready to negotiate and get something out of this if, in, in you know, exchange for our support. You think Democrats would come around and support that? There's no way they're going to get Abbott a win. And honestly, I think they enjoy watching Republicans fight with each other. And why they just sort of sit off on the sidelines, you know? I mean, why? Why not? Just what is it when your when your enemy's making mistakes? You know, just let them keep making the mistakes. How's all this going to end? Ten years from now, you know, we, we talked about ten years ago, people were, were I hate the cliche, but up in arms over private companies controlling toll roads. How do you think we look back on this in ten years? I think I think vouchers will not be around. I don't think we'll have them. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. They may find a way to fund, to help maybe, you know, kids that maybe need a little bit extra help. They may find some other ways to help fund that if that's their true concern. But, I mean, public schools are still the best equipped to handle that because, you know, parents can get the curriculum. Parents can get involved. They can talk to the school board members. But I I honestly think that members of both, the the extreme members of both sides of the party will have something else that they are going to latch on to and drum up false red flag issues. It just, it's been that way for, we all act like this is new. This has been going on here for 200 years. There's always, they're always going to find something. I was at my kid's soccer practice uh, last Wednesday. I'm going, I'm going tonight as well. And a couple of dads that I talk to there all the time, they're, you know, they, they ask me things, hey, what's going on? What are you hearing, you know, behind the scenes, off the record type stuff? I said, you know, everyone's talking about the special sessions coming up and, and, and school vouchers are the big deal. And these dads are like, I love that idea. I would love for the state to give me five, ten thousand dollars so I can go do what I want with it. But th- there are strings attached to it. The last proposal that I saw, in order to get that money, the la- according to the last yeah. proposal, you have to bow out of public education. You can't go back to public education for that year that you get the money if you don't like how your school's oh, operating. Oh, I didn't even know that. So if you if they go to a private school, they find out it's not working, they can't send their kids back. That was that was my understanding. I'll probably have somebody wa- you know listening or watching this podcast episode. Well, why would the school district take them? They're not getting the, the allotment for that student. They're not getting the money for that student if that student left. So I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting, and I always like picking your brain on this stuff. Uh, you know, I said early on in the podcast that, that we, we, we as reporters, I go to, you know, political consultants, folks like you run ad agencies who are really tied on this stuff, who can talk about things without worrying about whether, uh, you know, they're going to get a vote next time. You know, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, when, when we started doing a lot of the political work, we would do, you know, we would, they're, you know, they're clients at the end of the, you know, when you start off, they're clients, but then you start getting real passionate into their issues. And when you hear the true angst in their voices, when they talk about, we have kids that we have to help. Like, you know, what's the little line is cheaper to, build, you know, it's cheaper to manage a school than a prison, you know, kind of thing. So it's like we have, they have such a burden on their, on their shoulders of educating the next generation. Uh, I'm, I'm sounding like an old guy, right? But you are an old guy, Next man. generation. Uh, but, yeah, there's such a burden on these teachers and superintendents and even parents that, you know, and then when they look to the state house and the state senate for help and they're basically told no, it's very frustrating. And these superintendents, I, uh, it's, 
like I say, they're they're always on. I, teachers and superintendents and trustees are always on the side of angels, as far as I'm concerned. But it's they're what they're going through right now. It's just it's not fair and it's not right, and it's all about getting votes and doing what your political contributors want you to do. That's all it is. They're not listening to their local residents. So the last idea was $8,000 a year, I believe, or $7,500 yeah, a year right is kind of, rate, yeah. kind of what, it, what it was here. So uh, the last thing for you, before we recorded this podcast, you said you were going to reach out to your school districts. Have, have they conveyed everything through you that, uh, that they told you? Uh, you know, I talked to multiple um, and I talked to some friends that have been involved in, pol- in the schools, you know, school advocacy for years. And it's, it's amazing uh, how they all said it differently, but the messages were all the same. It's just like we feel like we're under attack, where we feel like we're not, they don't view schools as the most important thing you can do for the success of a community or, or a state in this matter, that they feel like they're just nothing more than being, you know, they're being used for political football. So they're, they're frustrated, but at the same time, they're still optimistic because when they see the successes of their students and all these great things these kids are doing, and um, I mean, you've got kids coming out of college, I mean, coming out of high school now, and they've got career certifications to go into welding or vet tech and all these, and they're, some of these kids are coming out making 80 grand a year. You know, welders make 80 grand a year. Do they really? No, oh, these 19-year-old kids. UPS drivers, though, just got this new contract. Did you see this? 100 grand? No, it was like 180 grand a year. <laughs> I think More like power 100, to 180 grand is something crazy like that. The UAW is what's striking right now for for a 46 percent pay increase. Yeah, and you have. I need to go on strike, Maze. You guys not have a union? Yeah, no, you don't, don't have this one. This is here. Texas, man. Come on, that's right to work. Yeah, it is a right to work. What are you a commie? <laughs> Come on, man. We'll need another beer for that one. <laughs> All right, Brian Mays, the owner of Mays Media Group, with us for this episode. Wheeler's out this week. We'll have to have him back next week. He missed the fun. He missed Kearney's Feed Yard. Uh, Kearney's Feed Yard. This place was uh, it's impressive here, man. I like this place. Hard to believe it was an old feed store dating back to the 18, late 1800s. Late huh? 1886 or 1880, something like that. And then um, it was bought by the Kearney family and whatever, 100 years ago, and it's still here. And local legend Willie Nelson's been by here. Yeah. A lot of Willie Nelson stuff. Yeah, and this, this place does a lot. I mean, I, I think highly of the ownership here. They, uh, uh, they're very helpful. Like when the Mesquite police officer was killed in the line of duty last couple of years ago, years they, ago, they did yeah. a thing here for him, them. Uh, they do a lot of uh, charity work for the community. Remember when we had the big freeze, what was that, four years ago? Two years ago. Off camera ago. here, you can't see him, but Seth, you know, he's out in the back. Uh, load, you know, they smoke meat here. He's out in the back loading up. No charge to anybody in Sunnyvale. He's giving them firewood to heat wow. their houses. So, Wow. Yeah. It's I'll good know, people. I don't know where to come from a firewood the next yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Good deal. Brian, thanks so much. We Thank appreciate you. it, man. And thanks for uh, listening to Yaltics. Thanks for watching Yaltics, too, if you are watching on YouTube. Remember, you can always download and subscribe. We would appreciate that. And leave us a review as well. We are always curious to hear what people think about our episodes. And we always appreciate you listening to Yaltics. We'll see you next week. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.